What's up, sports fans? You're tuning in to In the Field Podcast, your source for all things sports. I'm your host, Derek Woods, alongside my co-host, Jonathan Jordan, and we're excited to bring you episode one of many episodes of In the Field Podcast. Uh, how's it going, John? Doing good. Glad to be here. Glad to get those technical difficulties out the way. Get rolling here. Yeah, man. Uh, episode one. So, yeah, you know we had a few te- technical difficulties getting started, but we're here now and we're ready. Uh we're going to start off, uh, I'll tell you a little rundown of what we're going to talk about. Uh, basically, we'll start off with a little college football uh, national championship recap. We'll do a quick recap of that. Uh, we'll talk some number one pick in the NFL draft, uh, Burrow or Chase Young. Uh, we'll do a little Ohio State preview for the 2020 season. Uh, we'll also talk about the NFL championship games this weekend, a little preview of that, as well as some betting information if you're into that um we'll talk nba as well zion versus ja Morant. so those are some of the things we'll get into today uh but first we want to tell our listeners a little bit about ourselves uh, so you can get to know us a little better since this is the first podcast uh for me i'm a diehard cowboys fan so that's like the number one thing you need to know about me that's my number one team I'm going to live and I'm going to die with them. I know they have some tough years, but I'm still going to rock with them. 28 years strong. So, yeah, that's the number one thing for me. Uh, I'm a huge Buckeyes football fan. Uh, I love the Lakers. And then uh, MLB, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about my uh, sports team history or who I like. Um, I played college football at Bluffton University. I played there. Um, and then I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school. Played with John, so he knows me pretty well in those aspects. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. What about you, John? Yeah, so for me, you know, I stayed uh, questionably quiet there when you brought up the Cowboys. Most people would have jumped on you for that. But me being a Browns <laughs> yeah, fan, I felt, you know, probably best for me to keep quiet. Uh I'm all Ohio, with the exception of the MLB. I'm a Cubs fan. Um, other than them, like I said, Browns, Cavs. And then uh, Ohio State football and basketball is mainly what I follow. Uh, like you mentioned, we were we played uh, sports in high school together. We were teammates. Uh, football and basketball for me in high school, and I also played a little bit of baseball when I was younger than that. But you know, other than that, just ready to get the show on the road. I have to say this, man. Uh, he he won't say it about himself, but I gotta say this about John. He was my tight end in high school. Has some of the best hands I've ever seen, man. So I just wanted to say that to you, man. When I threw you the ball, I knew you would catch it. So. <laughs> if only I didn't have that 8 2 40 time, though, right? <laughs> right, man. <laughs> Not too much yak, but you definitely right. <laughs> could catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, man. So let's get into it. Let's uh, start off with uh, LSU Clemson. We had a 42 25 final score, LSU winning, uh, as many of you may know. Uh, Joe Burrow finished with. Uh, 463 passing yards, five touchdowns passing. Um, He was 31 for 49. And then he also had 14 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown on the ground as well. Um, We know what Burrow did. What do you think about the rest of the game, how that played out? 
Well, as we know, I mean, LSU's offense pretty much dominated the whole time. Uh, they got off to a little bit of a start, sl slow start, rather. But after that, I mean, it was all gravy for them. Uh, Clemson, I felt like when they got that early lead, they could have controlled the game a little more. They could have done a better job of keeping Burrow and that LSU offense off the field had they maybe attempted to run a little more. Uh, they were having success both both with ETN and actually Trevor Lawrence also. Uh, between the two of them, we had 25 carries for two touchdowns and what do we got, 127 yards looks like. So, I mean, that's solid numbers on the ground. You know, they just, uh, I mean, Lawrence ended up with 37 pass attempts, only completed 18, so less than half. And the, the efficiency wasn't really there. They could have went another direction. I think that's a rare mistake from Dabo and his coaching staff. Uh, yeah, I, want, I definitely wanted to touch on what you said about uh, the lack of rushing attempts for uh, Etienne. He had 15 carries for 78 yards. And then Lawrence only had 10 carries for 49 yards. I know he had a rushing touchdown as well. I know that that was a big emphasis for Clemson against Ohio State was uh, getting Lawrence involved in a rushing game, and it worked uh, big time for them. But I also think that worked in, Clem in LSU rather's favor uh, for the championship game because they had that on film. Uh, Lawrence didn't run much during the regular season, but against Ohio State, that was a big part of the game plan. So, for LSU, seeing that on tape definitely helped them, and I'm sure they were prepared for that. Yeah, there's no question about it. They definitely game plan for that. You can see it. So, ETN only getting 15 carries. Uh, like you said there, at one point, Clemson had to lead in the first half. You would think they would. I Is, believe it was 10 points. Wasn't it 17-7 to seven at one point? If yep, I'm yep, yep. So, you think that's saying something about ETN, and maybe for the next level, maybe he's just a – you know, more of a pass-catching back. It's like they'd never want to get him too involved, too many carries. They never really ride him, you know. So, maybe that's just – It could be that, but, you know, they've also got their own Heisman caliber quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Yep, you know, he's yep. a gunslinger. We all know that. So, you know, kind of in a big-time game against a big-time opponent, I guess you can't really fault them for wanting to lean on, you know, their top player. But – Again, I just when you when you're riding a ten point lead, you want to keep that Joe Burrow offense off the field, and I just don't. I, I think they could have done a better job with that personally. Yeah, I think another big aspect uh, about this matchup is that uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, is that how you pronounce yeah, his last yeah, Clyde name? Edwards, yeah, he. I think getting him back fully healthy for this championship game was big for LSU. Uh, he's every game I've watched LSU uh, this season, he's really stood out for me. Uh, in the past, in the receiving game and in the rushing game, he's only 5'8". Uh, yeah, they have him listed at 5'8", 209 pounds. So, he's really uh, small. He reminds me kind of, uh, what do I want to say, uh, Darren Sproles type back. Right, right, he kind of yeah. reminds me of him. So, yeah, getting you know, him back fully healthy was big. He had 16 carries, 110 yards. Well, that's what I was about so. to mention, 16 carries. The ironic part about it, we were just talking about Clemson not running the ball enough. I feel like LSU could have done their own effort to, you know, run the ball more. Granted, who can argue with a 17-point national championship win? But 16 carries for 110 yards, that's seven yards a pop. Yeah, they man. They could have gave it to him more than that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think with the receivers and the quarterback LSU have the has, um, I think they it definitely is easy for them to get a little pass. At oh, yeah, no doubt. So. It worked for them. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all we got on the national championship. We just want to keep it slight on that. Uh, you guys know what happened in that game. LSU's been clearly the best team all season, and they proved it again on Monday. So uh, let's get into the next topic here. Uh, we're going to talk about some teams that we think 
We'll just list off a top five. I'll start off with my top five for next season. Um, going into the 2020 college football season. Uh, I'll start off number one for me. I have Clemson. Um, they they get um, they get their quarterback back. They get their star quarterback back, which will be huge for them. He'll probably be the Heisman front runner, either him or Fields. Take your pick there. Uh, they get him back. They'll lose uh, some receivers. But I heard one one thing that really puts Clemson at the top for me. I heard an interview. Um, and it was Dabo Sweeney talking, and he was saying how uh, it was great for Clemson to get where they got this season with how young they were after losing all the talent they lost last year. Uh, I think he said they had 80 out of their 120 players were either freshmen either freshmen or sophomores. Wow. I didn't so, know that. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to uh, talk about that on here because that's that's big for them. And for me, that's why I have them at number one. Um, they were very good, and they were very young as well. They'll lose some talent, but you know how Clemson does. They definitely reload. They also have a they also have a top recruiting class come in, and as they usually do. So, yeah, I have Clemson at one. I have Ohio State at two. The reason I have Ohio State at two, uh, Justin Fields, for me, I could also make the case to put them at one, but we're not going to be homers here. We'll go Clemson <laughs> at one. Uh but, yeah, Justin Fields, for me, is the biggest factor at putting Ohio State at number two. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be losing uh, his star running back, J.K. Dobbins. So, they'll have to replace that. But I think they'll put more onus on him in the passing game. And I think he'll carry the torch next season and get the Buckeyes back to the Final Four. So, uh, yeah, Ohio State number two. Uh, number three, I have Alabama. Um, Alabama, you know, you know their track record. Um, they had a rough season this year, but I think next year they will get back on track. Um, they lose Tua, which definitely hurts. But Alabama always reloads. I think they'll be fine at quarterback. I think they'll always have a running game like they always do. And they were very young on defense this year, and all those players are coming back. Let me see. They have uh, returning starters. They have seven on offense and five on defense. So, also got five-star Bryce Young, quarterback, coming in. True yeah. freshman. He'll be battling yep. with Mac Jones for that starting quarterback job. Yep, yep. So, yeah, that's the only thing about Bama is Mac Jones. I'm not sure if he – I mean, but let's let him play before we, you know. And how Alabama plays, uh, two was really the first really good star quarterback they've had. So, I mean, they've showed in the past they can win with good defense and a running game. So, yeah, Alabama three for me. Uh, number four – which I think this may be different than some people, but I, I'm gonna go with Oklahoma. Uh, eight, eight returning starters on offense, and then eight, eight on defense as well. They'll lose Jalen Hurts, C.D. Lamb, which is huge, and also uh, linebacker Kenneth Murray on defense is huge. But they also replace Jalen Hurts with a quarterback that is really a sleeper for me uh, next season. Spencer Rattler uh, was a top quarterback coming out in his class. And I think he'll be even better than Jalen Hurts. I mean, I know Jalen Hurts was a Heisman Trophy uh, finalist, but I just think that Rattler with his arm, uh, it kind of reminds me, he's not as not as uh, tall, but he kind of reminds me of Pat Mahomes with some of the sidearm throws, the mobility. So, yeah, man, I can see him doing damage next season. So, Oklahoma at four. Uh, number five, I'm going to go with LSU, defending national champs. Uh, I know people would probably think I should have them a little higher on this list, but I think Burrow, losing Burrow is really going to hurt them. 
how they replace Burrow will decide how their season goes for me. But uh, I think Burrow really carried that team. So I, I got them still in the top five, but I got them at five for now. So yeah, what about my, you? My top three are actually the exact same as yours. Um, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. Uh, you broke them down pretty well, so I'll just leave that. Uh, my number four is is Georgia. Um, they actually, you know, I mean, obviously they they've always got top tier talent in the SEC. Probably, you know, the second most consistent team in that in that conference. Uh, they landed uh, Wake Forest transfer quarterback Jamie Newman. He should come in and uh, start right away for him, and that's going to be huge. Uh, so we'll see how that takes place. And then for number five, um, I've actually I've got LSU. And that is sort of dependent on what they do at their uh, quarterback position. But, you know, this being a way too early, top 25, that could obviously change. Uh, we'll have to see what they do with their transfers. But if they can get somebody back there, you know, they've got all the talent to make it happen. Yeah, man. So uh, that's our uh, that's our top fives for next season. Uh, yeah, I know Georgia fans will – probably be a little mad at me for not having them in the top five but they lost their quarterback as well so we'll see how it goes for LSU and Georgia um yeah so let's get into the next topic here uh number one pick in the NFL draft coming up um this has been a hot topic uh on social media uh me and you have had this discussion in the past so who do you got Joe Burrow number one to Cincinnati or Chase Young there's no question, in my opinion, you have to go Joe Burrow. And it's almost unfortunate for the Bengals that he's in this class of all because Chase Young, most times, most years, would be the unanimous number one pick. But when it comes to the quarterback, we all know how important that – I mean, it's the most important position in sports. So you've got to have that guy to be able to compete. And uh, I mentioned this earlier, you know, when it comes down to it, we can all debate back and forth, but – the Bengals are taking they're taking Joe Burrow. I mean, their owner Mike Brown, we we know about him. He I think he likes making money more than winning even. And he's not going to pass up on a franchise <laughs> quarterback that's going to sell tickets, a local dude. Burrow's going to be the pick. But I'll tell you now, the happiest people in the world right now should be Redskins fans because they got their well, they got their potential court franchise quarterback last year in Haskins and like I said, they're getting they're going to get a transcendent defensive player in Chase Young at that number 2 spot. Well, you know how I feel about that. I definitely don't want my Cowboys to see Chase Young for the right. next 10 to 15 years. <laughs> that sucks for the Cowboys. But, uh, yeah, I think that will be the number one and number two pick, uh, Burrow to Cincinnati and Young to the Redskins. Uh, the reason being for me, uh, quarterback's just too important of a position. I mean – you need a quarterback. I, I can only name a few teams that have won without a good quarterback. So I just I just wouldn't be able to pass uh, on taking the quarterback here, especially as good as Burrow has played. Right, that's what I was about to say. It's not like he's you know just, uh, you know some random. Just had the best college season ever. ever. So I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Dad coming off thirty seven years of coaching experience. This dude was born to play quarterback. Yeah, man, he I, checks all the boxes. If Cincinnati passes on that and. He is what we all think that that, that would really be fold tough the, for them. Fold the franchise at that point. Just yep. move to England. Do yep. something. So uh, one thing I did want to bring up uh, as far as this argument goes, uh, you saw the success Joey Bosa has had this season for the 49ers as they're still playing this weekend. Uh, Kyler Murray was the number one pick. Uh, Bosa was what, number two pick, right? Bosa was, yeah, number, Bosa two, was yeah. number two. So, yeah. 
But uh, I've I've seen the argument that you saw how Bosa have changed the franchise, and you saw Murray didn't change the franchise as much. So is that something you? Well, I guess my follow up would be: Did Bosa really change the franchise, or did he did he just complement the rise? Because they right, already had right. their franchise quarterback in place, or their you know their supposed franchise quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. They yep. had like eight different running backs who could get the job done in their backfield. Yep, yep. Uh, they drafted Debo Samuel early in the draft. You know they got obviously what I believe to be the best tight end in the game in George Kittle. So uh, it was actually you know it was very fortunate for them to end up with a, a player. I think uh, Garoppolo was actually qu- quoted recently as saying like. He's thankful that he tore his ACL last season or something like that because that that's what pretty much led to them getting uh, Nick Bosa. So I mean, when it comes down to it, I don't think that that's really valid because it's just so it's two just completely different situations. I mean, yeah, uh, I I definitely think you're uh, right on that. The only um, thing I can say as well as on that is we don't know how we don't know how Kyler Murray will finish out his career. He may. You know, he's only a rookie. It's it's harder to adjust to playing quarterback in the NFL than it is to uh, playing defensive end. Bosa could pretty much – you could plug him and play him. Right. Quarterback, you got to – you know, you got to pay your dues. Gotta, oh, yeah, absolutely. got to earn it, man. Quarterback's a little – probably the, one of the toughest positions in sports. So, yeah, uh, another argument as far as that one to go to. Uh, Cam Newton and Von Miller, number one and two pick as well. That's another example uh, – but in this instance, we saw Von Miller, the defensive end, as well, have more success than the quarterback, Cam Newton. So that's another uh, part of the argument as well. I mean, I know Cam is a way different quarterback than Burrow, though, so it's kind of, you know, of a different example. I mean, but, that's, a, that's, a, that's a past league MVP right there, though. Yep. You know, and he might still be on that level if not for his injury, you know, injury problems. But Yep, yep. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So, yeah, there's a definitely a – lot to that argument uh another part i wanted to mention as far as that argument as well uh i know this is going to hurt your soul <laughs> but cleveland passing on pat mahomes and deshaun watson taking miles garrett you just had to do it huh do you regret that decision are you kidding <laughs> i don't think pat mahomes would have been swinging his helmet at people this season oh i mean and he probably would have slung about 30 more touchdowns than baker did this year yeah, man. So, yeah, we, we know how uh, Cleveland fans feel about that one. So, yeah, for me and obviously for John, take the quarterback. That's what yeah, we say. for sure. So, yeah, uh, let's get in to our next topic. Um, we're going to talk about um, the NFL championship games. We'll get into that. Uh, so, the first game, we'll start with the AFC uh, championship game, Chiefs. Titans, uh, who you got in that one, John? Okay, so for my uh, folks out there that like to do some betting, uh, I'm gonna give you a little breakdown. Maybe uh, if you like it, it'll you know make you make some bad decisions and go place some money on it. Uh, we got Kansas City favored by seven, according to Caesars, uh, with a 53 on the over/under. Uh, this basically means that Vegas is implying a win or a total of a 30 to 23 score uh, by favor of uh, Kansas City, obviously. Uh, my question with, uh, regarding this game is, can Kansas City stop Derrick Henry, first of all? That's going to be very important, obviously, uh, to control the tempo of the game uh, because I think that if Kansas City gets out to an early lead, that could really spell trouble for the Titans. Um, and, I, and honestly, if I'm being honest, I think that is going to happen. Uh, 
Tennessee gave up the seventh most yards to, to tight ends this season and the third most touchdowns. Who plays tight end for the Chiefs? Yeah, That's man. That's going to be a problem. Travis Coast is going to be a problem in this game. So, for me, I'll, I'll take Kansas City. Uh, I think they cover the seven points. Uh, and I'm going to take the under, though, on the score, just barely. I've got a prediction of 31 to 21 in favor of the Chiefs. Yeah, man, uh, that's those are some good stats there. Uh, as far as the game goes, I think it's all going to come down to, like you said, can they stop Derrick Henry? Uh, I know the Titans will, whether they get stopped in the first half with a running game or not, they'll continue to ride Henry. So it won't just be a first-half thing for the Chiefs, even if uh, the Titans – it will be important for the Titans to get ahead and play with the lead. Yeah. That would definitely be important, but – the Titans are known for sticking with the run game no matter what. Derrick Henry will probably get twenty his twenty five to thirty carries. So uh I heard <laughs> I heard Tyron Matthew or I saw the post on Facebook. Uh Tyron Matthews talking about uh he tackled Derrick Henry in their first matchup earlier this season and he thought he broke his jaw. Oh wow. <laughs> he said it was like hitting a brick wall or something along those lines. So I was like, wow, he thought he broke his jaw off of trying to tackle that man. That's crazy. So That's a big dude. Yeah, man. Uh, NFL rushing champ will be key in that game. If they can slow him down, I think that will definitely give the Chiefs uh the victory on Sunday. I, I have the Chiefs uh going to the Super Bowl. I picked that before the playoffs. I had Chiefs. And Saints, uh, Saints went down on me early. So, I'm going to go with the Chiefs and hopefully, you know, I'll have at least one pick right. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Uh, we'll talk about the NFC Championship game now. Um, 49ers and the Packers. Uh, what do you think about that we've game? We've got, uh, again, according to Caesars, we've got the – 49ers favored by seven and a half with a 45 point over under. So that pretty much means they're projecting a 26 to 19 Niners win. Um, I think the Packers will score more than 20 than than 19 points in this one. Um, if, you know, if we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, you know, and he's supposed to be the goat and all this, then play playoff Rodgers should you know be able to score a little more than that. But with that said, I'm not sure that they win the game. Uh, I've actually got a – I'm taking the over on the 45, but I'm, I'm going 27-24 Niners in a close game. Uh, so you're going with the Niners in this one. Uh, yes, sir. I'm actually on the flip side of that. I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with the Packers in this one. Uh, I know it was a thrashing earlier on the season. I don't know. Let's – I don't remember the score exactly earlier in the season, but I want to say 30 – 37. It was bad, and Rodgers was bad. <laughs> it was bad. So, I know that looked bad. Uh, I'll get one, that stat line for you. Yeah, while we get that uh, stat line pulled up. Um, I know that looked bad, but how I, how I feel about it, especially uh, playoff football is way different than regular season football. And then also, uh, when a team just uh, – I don't, I don't know if we should cuss on air, but when a team just gives you an ass whooping like that, I mean <laughs> – what what are you going to do but come back with a better performance the next time around, you know? So, I know the Packers will be highly motivated to get this win. Uh, I think they need to do a better job of getting ahead in this game uh, early. Uh, they they got behind in that game, I believe, uh, early in the first matchup. And uh, yeah. feed Aaron Jones, get Aaron Jones involved in the passing game and the rushing game if they could do that. Uh, Devontae Adams has played very well. It will be uh, – 
I know Sherman doesn't travel with that, but it will be a good matchup between him and Devontae Adams when they do face off. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see that, man. But I, I think uh, Rodgers will pull this one off and uh, will have a, you know, a, a matchup of Goliath, Goliath uh, quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, man, Rodgers against Mahomes. I wouldn't be mad about it. I wouldn't yeah, be mad man. about it. And, but, you know, that, that's 37 to 8, by the way. That was the yeah, final so score. I knew it was 37. So Rogers 37 was to 20 eight. of 33 for 104 yards. That's a 3.2 average yards per attempt. Wow, they held Aaron Rodgers. I know that's some of y'all's goats. There, better there's there's no way he doesn't come back harder than that. He's got to come back harder that's, than that. That's, yeah, that's my whole angle in this thing is that Green Bay Green Bay needs to redeem themselves after that one, man. Uh, that, that was definitely a tough loss. And I – I think they go back, use that film, and come with something better. I mean, they better, or it's going to be all over. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Uh, we'll go ahead and get into our next topic now. Uh, Want to talk some uh, head coaching fix? We're both. He's a Cleveland fan, as he said. I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, this won't be always how it is. We'll talk about each and every team, but we wanted to start off with this. Uh, we want to start off with the coaching hire. Uh, how do you feel about? Stefanski and um, has the hire in Cleveland. Well, uh, I know in our group chat, I, I made it known pretty early on. He was actually my second uh, favorite choice when it came to head coach. Uh, well, I should rephrase. After McCarthy was hired by the Cowboys, he was my second favorite choice. Uh, I did have McDaniels over him, but McDaniels, you know, apparently wanted way too many changes within the organization for their liking, so they went with Stefanski. Uh, which I was fine with. I know I, just from judging on social media, a lot of Browns fans don't like it, but I think the guy's a, a leader, especially after uh, watching his press conference. I watched the whole press conference, and uh, he dropped a lot of quotes. Uh, my favorite one, personality is welcome, production is required. I think that that just fits the, this roster more than anything he possibly could have said. Um, some of his background, he played defensive back for Penn. So, you know, he's got that Ivy League education. You know, he's a smart dude. He's pro analytics. Uh, comes from, you know, of course, comes from an offense in, in Minnesota. Uh, that really, he, he gave Kirk Cousins his best season of his career, honestly. And that's important because he has to help Baker develop. Baker really regressed this past season. And if there's not vast improvements next year, then at that point, if you're a Browns fan, you got to start really wondering, if you're not already, whether or not Baker's the quarterback of the future. Yeah, man. Uh, for me, Baker is Baker's the key. Can he develop uh, Baker Mayfield? I think he did a good job with uh, Kirk Cousins this year. Kirk Cousins got a lot of slack early in the season, first couple of games of the season, but he pretty much played well. Uh, they used the running game. Uh, they used the play action to help Kirk Cousins, and uh, for me, it really worked. I think if they can use that same recipe in Cleveland, they I think it could be successful for sure. So we'll see how. Since, since you brought that up, I actually had a couple notes here. Uh, Baker Mayfield last season, well, this most recent season, 2019, had a top five pass rating in the league on play action passes. This how this is just a testament to how bad Freddie Kitchens was. The Browns were 30th in the league in play action attempts. Uh, sounds like bad coaching to me. <laughs> Another one for you, real quick. 2018, I, I said this all season long. You know this. You know, we've been in a group chat for our fantasy league. 12 personnel. For those that don't know, that's, you know, one running back, two two wide receivers on the outsides, and then two tight ends on line of scrimmage. Baker thrived in that personnel in 2018, his rookie season. 
This year, they passed out of 12 personnel 14% of the time. For comparison, the offense that Stefanski just came from, from Minnesota, passed out of 12 44% of the time. So that's a big jump, I think, that any, and he comes with a, uh, a run first, which you alluded to, West Coast uh, passing type philosophy. So that's going to really fit. Uh, I don't know about, you know, Jarvis, you know, because he's more, or not Jarvis, I'm sorry, but Odell, you know, he's more of a vertical threat. But as far as Baker's attributes, that fits him to a T. So if he can't get it done next year, then I'll lose all hope. Yeah, uh, I wanted to touch on that deep threat uh, aspect that you said. Uh, I know Stefan Diggs, I told you this, uh, I think, in a group chat we're in. I told you this uh, a couple of days ago. I saw a stat. Stefan Diggs uh, led the NFL in um, catches of 40-plus yards down the field. Mm-hmm. So I think Odell can play that role. And then, you know, um, the Thielen role can be played by Landry, and I think that will be. There's a lot of similarities yeah, with the two offenses. The, the pieces really are definitely there. Uh, and I think that's why they made the higher, uh, very similar offenses and pieces. So I think it definitely can work. Uh, we'll just it's it's all going to depend on how he develops the quarterback for me. That's all it comes down to. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about is um, hopefully Miles Garrett. Hopefully in his first season as coach, he gets Miles Garrett back at the beginning of the season. And the suspension doesn't drag on into next season because that would be big for him. I think Miles is going to be back for opening day, but honestly, we're talking about Roger Goodell, so that's a crapshoot. Right. Uh, that's that's going to be huge for the Browns going into next season. So yeah, uh, want to talk about some um, uh, the Cowboys coaching hire Mike McCarthy. Um, for me, as a Dallas fan, I was kind of. I was kind of I, I wanted some I wanted a coach uh, with the offensive mind, which he he gives us that. Um, definitely is a good offensive mind. Has been an offensive coach for his whole career. Uh, was previously offensive coordinator in uh, San Francisco before he became a head coach. So I think he definitely gives us that. I think I think the Cowboys went more for the safe hire, uh, which I kind of. I kind of agree with, like, if you were to bring in Lincoln, Lincoln Riley and he doesn't adjust well to the NFL game uh, or it just doesn't fit him, he's just not a fit, I think that would be a huge regret. So I think they went more with the safe hire. Uh, some stats on McCarthy that I wanted to point out. Um, a lot of people are down on McCarthy, but uh, since his first season as a head coach in 2006 – only Bill Belichick has more playoff wins than Mike McCarthy. So he definitely has that winning pedigree. Um, he ended on a sour note in Green Bay. But part of that, uh, I talked about this with you early, part of that, part of that I don't think was all his fault. Uh, his last season in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers had the knee injury. And uh, he battled through it, but you can tell he was never himself. Uh, couldn't really scramble, couldn't move like he wanted to. So I think that definitely affected their season that year. No doubt. And um, basically, I think he got the short end of the stick on that one. I mean, they definitely needed to, some fresh blood in Green Bay, and I think that's what Dallas needs as well. Um, tendency breakers are big in sports, and I just think that the Cowboys with Jason Garrett got, you know, you can too predictable. You can predict what they're going to do, the play calling. So I think uh, – McCarthy will change some of that stuff. Uh, I've heard he's um, studied up on some of his faults over on his time off and uh, 
tried to get into more analytics, like you said about uh, Stefanski as well. So and in the Browns organization, try to get into more analytics driven stuff. So I, we'll see how that helps. I think that will be big for uh, Dallas. Uh, one thing I am nervous about, uh, he used, he tended to get pass happy as the coach in um, Green Bay. Um, he had Aaron Jones. We saw we all saw what he did this season, and I just think that he didn't use him like he should have. And uh, if he would have, maybe Green Bay would have been better off in his last season. But uh, I just that's something I'm nervous about. This is the best running back and offensive line he will have had though. So um, hopefully he uses that running game because I think that's what will lead the Cowboys to success. I think that obviously Dax at this point is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. But with that said, I think that they should uh, try to employ a similar type of offense that the that the Browns should employ: run that ball first, uh, you know, open up the passing game with play action, throw it downfield to Gallup, Cooper. You guys got one of the best offensive lines in the league. I mean, and I, I was high. I was high on McCarthy from from day one. I mean, like I said, that was my top choice. So uh, I thought that was a win from you guys from the moment for you guys from the moment it was uh, announced. I think that's a good hire, and I think he'll do well there. Yeah, man, it's, it remains to be seen. I'm definitely nervous about this. Uh, I know Cowboys fans give it to me on, <laughs> almost on a daily basis. I mean, Cowboys haters. I mean, right, right. Uh, well, they're basically like fans. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well call you fans. So, yeah, man, I I hope we can turn it around because I'm tired of hearing the slander, you know. <laughs> You're I, tired. I know. I'm talking to a Browns fan here. Audience, man. I just want to say the Cowboys fan's tired, not the Browns fan. What is this? <laughs> yeah, man, I got to remember who I'm talking to here. <laughs> yeah, man, so that pretty much uh, wraps up our coverage on the NFL. So uh, let's get into some NBA, man. Uh, we're just going to start off with a quick – Top five uh, NBA power ranks. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going to go into too much of an explanation for that, but uh, we'll just tell you who we have as our some of our top teams in the league to this point. Uh, number one for me, I have the Bucks. Uh, best record in the league to this point pretty much speaks for itself. Number two, I have the Lakers. Um, just came off a nine-game winning streak. Lost to the Magic last night, which uh, that was definitely surprising, even without Anthony Davis. But uh, still coming off. Um, a nine-game winning streak prior to that. So, I got the Lakers at number two. The Clipper for me, number three, I still have the Clippers. Um, I think they have 12 losses, with a, which a few teams in the West have 12 losses at this point. Um, I know they are going through some stuff as far as uh, the load management and stuff like that, but I just feel like once it comes crunch time, for me, power rankings is more of who I feel is the best team, not right. not who's playing the best at that moment. So that's why I have the Clippers at number three. Uh, if I were going off of best moment, I don't think there's a team that's playing uh, too much better right now than the Jazz. I know they had ran off. Uh, I don't know if it, if it had got to double digits, but they had a nice little win streak going on, and uh, it's brought them all the way up in the standings in the West. I want to say they're three or four in the West. Uh, so I got the Jazz at number four, and I, I think they'll only continue to get better as they get used to playing. I know Mike Conley uh, has been hurt, so once they get used to get uh, used get used to playing together and uh, gel as a team, I think the Jazz will be really dangerous in uh, the playoffs. Number five for me, I have Houston. Uh, I know James Harden and West, Russell Westbrook haven't had much uh, playoff success, but I think being together. Once it comes playoff time, will help them. Um, 
having another playmaker there. I know they have they've they've had shooting in the past. So I, I know shooting's not the problem for Houston. So I just think that having Russell Westbrook, somebody to take a little of the pressure off of James Harden once the playoffs come. Um, I think that one-two punch will carry Houston uh, pretty far in the playoffs. I mean, I don't have them going all the way to the championship or anything, but I think they'll do some damage. So that's my top five. What about you? Yeah, for me, I've got the Bucks number one also. Uh, they started six and three this season. Since then, they have won 30 of their last 33, which is insane. Uh, so, how, I mean, how can you not put them number one? Uh, number two, the Lakers, like you mentioned, they uh, – Won nine in a row before they got beat by the ghost of Markel Fultz last night in his triple-double. So, uh, But still, I mean, LeBron and AD, that's the top one-two punch in the league, no question. So I've got them number two. Uh, I've, got, I've got the Jazz number three. They've won 15 out of their last 16. Uh, the only losses to the Bulls. So, you know, we know they're a strong team this year. Uh, four, I've got Houston. Uh, that's This is kind of talent-based because, I mean, you know, we've seen them struggle at times. I think actually right now they're like six and four in their last ten. They're not very hot either. Uh, but they do have wins recently over the uh, 76ers and the Nuggets. That's two pretty strong teams. And then five, I've got Boston. Uh, once again, that's kind of talent-based. I do like their pieces with uh, Brown and Tatum and, and uh, Walker and, to a certain extent, Hayward. You know, if they can, if they can gel that, I think they'll be strong. Uh, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 also, so they're not, you know, world beaters right now. But you mentioned the Clippers. I left them off. Uh, the only reason why, really, is because I just don't feel like Paul George and Kawhi have really played together enough yet. It seems like the load management is just like really preventing them from from getting you know some cohesiveness there, and it, they they'll, they'll probably figure it out honestly. You know, a month from now, this this power ranks might be completely different. But for now, I left them off. I'd probably have them at six if we went one more. Yeah, I think the Clippers are pretty much using the exact uh, recipe that Toronto used last season. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll see if it works for you know, L.A., but that's pretty much what they're doing at this point. Um, uh, De-emphasizing the regular season uh, to play well in the playoffs. We'll see how that affects their seeding. I mean, they it could possibly end up to where the Clippers and the Lakers play in the second round instead of, instead of uh, the Western Conference Finals, which would be really interesting for both teams. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you want to try to get to the Western Conference Finals without having to play that top team. But uh, the way the Clippers are doing the load management thing, uh, we could easily see that happening. So uh, that will definitely be interesting. One thing I wanted to bring up uh, that I've seen a lot on social media is uh, who do you have as some of your uh, MVP front runners to this point? Um, I mean – just going historically, you know, the team with the best record, best player on the best team. You know, yep. you, got, you got to start yep. with Greek Freak. I mean, and it's not like he's not deserving. The dude's just nuts. Uh, you know, me being a Cavs fan, I'm always going to lean a little biased towards LeBron. I think that that dude should have like 10 MVPs right now. But, you know, that that just never happens. So, I mean, other than other than the two of those, two of them, I mean, LeBron, didn't he just sit out his first game like last week or something? Yeah, LeBron's so, only missed one game, I Yeah, believe. so, I mean, he's been available also on top of that, and we know what type of player he is. So, I'd, I'd definitely have him in that conversation. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm pretty much the same as you. I have, uh, I have LeBron in the MVP race, but not in the lead. I have Giannis at number one. Um but I, I I was listening to the Brian Windhorse podcast, and uh, one thing 
uh, that stood out to me is that Giannis is only playing uh, 31 minutes a night, I believe, somewhere around the, the low 30s in uh, minutes per game, and he's averaging like 30 points a game, 13 assists. I mean, 13 rebounds, sorry, and then however many assists, I want to say around six. So he's averaging those stats in only 31 minutes a game. Yeah, that's when I heard that, I mean, I, I just was blown out the water by that. Then it also goes to show how good of a supporting cast he is playing with. Uh, he only has to play 31 minutes a game because he has a, a good uh, supporting cast. He has right. a good bench. So that um, – that kind of factors into the MVP MVP race for me as well. That was definitely a key stat for me having Giannis at number one, only 31 minutes per game. So, uh, for me, the reason I have LeBron at number two, um, I had this debate on social media uh, with some people. Um, they were questioning whether more the, the success of the Lakers is more to do with Anthony Davis or LeBron. And for me, I – I just feel like LeBron's running the show out there. Um, you can replace some of the things Anthony Davis does. I know I know he's a freak. You can't replace everything. But some of the things he does, reboundings, blocks, we can replace that. Or the Lakers can replace that. Sorry. Not going to be a homer here. But uh, mm -hmm. the Lakers can replace that with um, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, those blocks, those rebounds. Some of those things, they can't replace the scoring necessarily. But some of those things they can replace – but you can't replace what LeBron does. He's leading the league in assists. Uh, he's, I think it's 10.9 per game, which is basically 11 assists per game in his 17th season. That's definitely incredible. And uh, to be leading the league in assists uh, from his position, uh, I think that's amazing. And it's almost by two assists per game. Um, I think the next closest person is like 9.3 assists per game. Yeah. So that was really that really stood out for me. Uh, LeBron's basically that shows you he's controlling the whole game. He's getting his 25 points and he's also getting 11 assists. Assists, so he's controlling the whole game. So that's why I have LeBron over AD. Yeah, um, that's huge. And and I know you know the analytics they don't they don't tell all. But uh, if you want to look at usage rate. Right now, LeBron is uh, ninth in the league with a 31.5% usage rate, which actually is even lower than I expected, to be honest. But then uh, you go, you got to go down a few spots to find AD. Not too far. He's 15th, but uh, he's sitting with a 29% usage rate. So that tells you there, you know, who they're, who they're flowing the offense through, which is, you know, natural because he's running point forward. But still, it's valid, you know. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, so, yeah, as far as uh, the AD and LeBron thing, who's really – I mean, I think they're both equally um, equally deserve the credit for their success. But, yeah, I think LeBron's controlling the game. So, I go with him over AD as far as MVP race, which they may end up canceling each other out. So, yeah, uh, another discussion I've been hearing, uh, would you put Luka anywhere close in your MVP discussion? Uh, it's an interesting question. Um I, it'd be hard for me to to argue against it. I mean, I, I I would definitely have him below the top two, but I mean, if I, I wouldn't say anything to anybody who had him third. Yeah, man, I I've been hearing some people say he should be the front runner. Their argument being, what more can he do for his team? I mean, uh, he's averaging twenty some points. Uh, we'll look up his stats for you, so get those exact numbers. But uh, he's averaging twenty something points a game. You know, like 10 rebounds a game and nine assists. I mean, 
I kind of agree with that point. What more can he do? But I, for me, it's the defensive end. Um, he could help his team defensively more. And I think LeBron has been playing some of the best defense he's played in years. Uh, so that's why I have him ahead. I'd have AD ahead of uh, Luka as well because AD is one of the best defenders in the league. And uh, we all know what Giannis can do in the defensive end. So that's what right. makes me put those guys up ahead of Luka. Now, if he were to become a better defender – he definitely have an argument for for me because of offensively he's literally putting that team on his back. So I got Luca's numbers here: twenty nine, or well, to be specific, twenty eight point eight points per game, nine point eight rebounds, nine assists. Even, I mean, that's strong. Honestly, that that the points per game. I knew he was rebounding and, and passing the ball, but the points per game kind of took me off guard there. I thought it was more around the twenty four, twenty five range. So I mean, anybody that has him in the conversation, I won't argue. Yeah, Luca definitely has that argument, man. So, uh, yeah, man, that's basically our NBA talk. But uh, we wanted to do some more individual NBA talk, I should say. That's enough uh, for the team talk. Let's talk individuals. Ja Morant versus Zion Williamson. Um, this has been a big debate I've seen. Uh, we had this as our poll question for today. Um, who finishes with a better career going forward, Ja or Zion? Um, the poll numbers say uh, that most people believe Ja, and I know why that is. Um, Zion hasn't played, and uh, Ja has played very well. Could you give us the the numbers on Ja? Yeah, so Ja Morant right now is averaging 18 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists. Uh, he's shooting 50% from the field, which is lights out for a rookie, especially a point guard. Uh, 40% from three and 80% from free throw. I mean, those are elite shooting percentages all the way around. Uh, he is averaging almost three and a half turnovers per game, which I think would put him around like 10th highest in the league. But that's on a 26.5% usage rate. And that would right now would rank eighth in the league among point guards. So they're trusting this kid with the ball in his hands. And he's, you know, he's making it count. That is huge, man. I did not know he was shooting um, 40% from three. Which is a really, a really good clip, man. Uh, if you know NBA basketball, forty percent is definitely a good number from three. Oh yeah. So uh, especially for a rookie, and fifty percent from the field is also also a good number from for a rookie. Uh, one that's getting used to the speed of the game, which the speed of the game seems to be pretty much nothing for him. He's going at his own speed. Um, yeah. So that's the jaw side of it. Um, for me. I'm still going to lean, lean towards uh, Zion, though. I, I just think, uh, for me, the reason why I say that is um, defensively what Zion can bring to the table for the Pelicans. I think once he comes back, he's going to completely change that team, which they're both great, solid players. Both will be multiple-time All-Stars, in my opinion, but it's just who will have the better career. And I just think that will be Zion because of the upside uh, – both have crazy upside, but I think Zion's upside is just off the charts. If he lives up to his potential, the things he can do would just be crazy for me. And um, he can rebound, he can score, he can defend very well. Like, uh, I'm a North Carolina basketball fan, but watching him play um, defense last season for Duke um, – it amazed me. I, I didn't know he was such a good defender as he is. Also, he's a better passer than I thought he was as well, which I feel like a lot of people don't really know that about him. He's definitely a good passer as well. 
So he'll affect that Pelicans roster in a number of different ways, and I think it'll lead to wins. So um, I know people are high on John Morant because he's playing, he's he's producing, but uh, let's let um, Zion get back and play before we make some of these assumptions yeah, that job will be about, better. That's what I was about to get into. Some of these assumptions are wild. I mean, we've already got people dismissing this guy as a bust. I just think that's – we haven't seen him play a second in a game yet. Exactly. Now, the, the history – or the uh, the medical history is a little bit concerning. You know, he's going to have to get that under control. Uh, but if he if he's healthy and playing, I mean, I think we're talking about two guys here that'll, that will that'll be all-stars for the next decade and a half if their health, health allows it. So, you know – it's it's pick your poison pretty much. I mean, there's, I don't think there's too wrong of an answer here, but for me, I I would give the slight slight edge to Ja. Yeah, man. Uh, I you can't argue with the Ja argument at this point. I'm just going with what I believe, what I've seen Zion do. I know it hasn't been NBA play, but I want to say preseason he averaged 22 points, and I think we can say. That Zion probably has the higher ceiling. Yeah, that's I where mean, I'm going with this. I mean, the, the guy was compared have, to LeBron coming out. So Yeah, they both have insanely high ceiling. Yeah, that's ceiling. no respect to Jaw. Like, uh, a ceiling for, I mean, Russell Westbrook even better, though, because of the three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. He's like a Russell Westbrook. John Moran's like a Russell Westbrook that can shoot threes. Right. So, yeah, definitely has an insanely high ceiling, and so does um. So does Zion at his very best. Maybe he can follow in LeBron's footsteps. So that's why I go with uh, Zion. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so um, basically, man, uh, we've covered all our topics to this point. Well, one last thing I want to ask you while we're on the air right now. How do you feel <laughs> about Odell and his situation? Oh, my uh, gosh. This guy. I'll let you explain exactly what he did and what happened. So, first of all, you could tell just by watching the video, the dude had had too many drinks. Uh, he shouldn't have. He well, I won't say he shouldn't have been there. It's debatable on whether or not he should have been there. But you know, he wanted to celebrate with his uh, with his with, with his alumni, you know, and all that. That's fine. But there a lot of people. A lot of people felt like he was there, you know, just to attract attention. Like he wasn't there for the right reasons. And honestly, right. kind of hard to argue that when he's out there throwing, you know, cash around like it's nothing. And this thing with the with the, I've seen him reported as a security guard, as a state boy for uh, New Orleans. I, I'm not sure what he was, but uh, regardless, you gotta know better than that. And and but at the same time, though, I think it's a little petty for them to be going after him like that. I mean, like, what are we doing? You're in a football locker room. What do you, what do you expect? Right, right. You know? So let's just talk about what he exactly what he did for the people that don't know. He goes up. Uh, they're they're celebrating the game, the championship win in the locker room. He's in a locker room with the players. There's a security guy in there, and uh, you know they had. I don't know if people may know, but they uh they had the cigars all in the locker room. They're all smoking the cigars in the locker room. So that's why the security guard was there. Or he's not a security guard. He's a real cop. Sorry. But that's why the cop was there to police the players from smoking the cigars in the locker room. So he's there trying to do his job. Odell comes up behind him as he's trying to do his job. And <laughs> he, like, sizes him up and just <laughs> slaps him on the ass least, real hard. He definitely sized right. him up. That's yeah, sure. <laughs> sized him up, man. I mean, people talk about 
Odell being a, a little suspect, that he didn't help his case on that one. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, man, 1,208. Give me 1,200 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. I don't care. Just don't my care. thing is why, Odell, why? I mean – Slap a cop on on the ass. Why? I just I just couldn't understand it, and I thought it was hilarious. And now he's in the news for stuff like that. And it just when it comes to Odell, it's always something. And it's, always something, man. I mean, he's like a hey, welcome to the Browns, Kevin Stefanski. Right, he's like a, <laughs> a mini version of A B, but <laughs> hopefully he doesn't get to the A B level. Oh boy, because uh, yeah, we saw we saw how that has went. Yeah, man. So uh, we'll basically close it out here, man. Uh, it's been a good podcast, a good first episode, man. We're happy to uh, we're happy to be on here. Uh, what we want to do with this podcast, our biggest thing, our what we live by is a, a love for sports. This is this is what we do. This is what we love. Uh, we want to basically share our passion for sports to you guys. Uh, I see stuff on social media each and every day uh, that I. I just want people to know, like, if you love sports, I, I want you to know the facts. I want you to see things uh, that you maybe you wouldn't see elsewhere. So that's what we're trying to bring to the table. And uh, we'll be doing this every week, man. So tune in. Show some love. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I have our Twitter account here. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at um, – the in the fields sports is in the field podcast. I, ITF I know one of those sports. was already taken. Yep, ITF sports, is. there it is. Okay. Follow us at ITF Sports on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us. Follow our Facebook page, man. We're going to get this Facebook page jumping, man. Uh, you'll see a lot of different stuff. Uh, just just follow, man. Uh, Facebook. Our Facebook page is uh, In The Field Podcast, uh, facebook.com slash In The Field Podcast. And the emphasis of this uh, this podcast here, uh, spreading the word is very important. Uh, I, I know I can speak for Derek also when I say this. This is like we're living our dreams here, man. This is what we want to do. So we want to continue to bring you guys this content. Uh, so what I want you all to do after you like, follow, share, do all that, Tell somebody. Tell somebody that that doesn't know about us, that doesn't know that we're doing this. Yeah, man. Tell, tell one person if you if you liked what you heard today. Tell them about it. And even if you didn't like what you heard today, lie to them. Just tell them anyway. Yeah, man. Lie to them. Say, we're the best radio host you ever heard in your life. <laughs> Get them to follow, log on Facebook, do all that. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. Appreciate the, uh, appreciate the time. If you did listen, uh, we'll see you next week, guys. Have a good one.